Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. Today we have Chris Hogan. He's a financial expert and he's the author of the new book, Everyday Millionaires. Hey, Chris. Well, hello there. Thank hello. you for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. Yes. So you guys are on tour. Tell me a little bit about what you've been up to. Well, I have been busy. We are day two here in New York. I've been all over the place, uh, getting up at 5 a.m., doing radio interviews, going in, doing some media hits, uh, joining guests like you on podcasts, and uh, just having a blast, talking to people about money, helping them to reframe the way they look at it so they can understand that they have choices and options for their future. That sounds great. So here's my first question for you is what problem do you see in America that your line of thinking about being an everyday millionaire can solve? Hmm. I think the biggest problem that I see is opportunity. Okay. Um, I don't think people see the opportunities that are available to themselves. Now, that can come from a lot of different areas. Sure. You know, oftentimes where you were born, the family you were born into, all of those things can shape our beliefs. And so if we don't believe that something is available to us or believe that we can do it, if we've not seen it around ourselves before, an example, then we tend to limit ourselves. I don't think we dream big enough. So I want people to see the opportunity, decide to make choices for themselves, and then begin to follow a plan of action that'll lead them there. So tell us what is an everyday millionaire? Hmm. An everyday millionaire is a regular everyday person that has consistently invested over time and achieved success. You see, I'm a former football player, as you can probably tell. Yes. <laughs> uh, but no team wins the Super Bowl by accident, right? Nobody has success, and they just stumbled upon it. They plan for it. Even in sports, you practice to play the games to win. These everyday millionaires, and we did the largest study that's ever been done. You remember the book Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley. Uh-huh. Fantastic book. Uh, book came out about 25 years ago. That reshaped my kind of mindset on what a millionaire looks like. So I wanted to know, is it still possible today? Can a regular everyday person consistently invest over time and be able to build wealth? Because you get some media that'll tell you that it's not possible. Sure. Right? You, you'll start to look. Culturally, people don't believe that it's possible. So I wanted to know. So we commissioned, uh, along with a research firm, the largest study that's ever been done. We talked to over 10,000 of them because we wanted to find out the truth. Are these millionaires trust fund babies? Were they lucky? Did they hit the lottery? Huh. Or were these regular everyday people that had consistently invested over time and were intentional with their success? So here's my question. You talked a lot about opportunity. Do you have to be start really, really young to start to get to that goal? I don't think so. No? I don't think opportunity ever really looks at age. Um, I think opportunity is about awareness. Okay. When we become aware that we have opportunities, that's where we can begin to make decisions, develop a plan, and follow a course of action. Now, it's best to start young. Um, I was lucky enough at age 21 to start investing. Um, I was working at a university while going to grad school, so I invested in a 403B at that point in time. But I've talked to people of all ages, all nationalities, uh, that people that started early or some that were later to the game, the thing I want them to understand is it's never too late to get better. It's never too late to make that decision. So it's better to start early, but you can start at any time. Did you have a financial mentor? You know what? I had great mentors. I didn't have a financial mentor. Money wasn't something we talked about in my family growing up. When I was young, approached finishing grad school, I had people actually talking to me about the importance of, hey, you need to save. I was only making about 15 grand a year at that point in time. So in my mind, you know, sacrificing 10% of my income or 15%, that's a big chunk. And you're young. You want to go out and have fun. That's right. But what I realize now is looking back on it, I couldn't have afforded not to have done that. You know, it's one of those things I'm very grateful 
grateful for that someone took the time to explain to me so I could see the value and I was able to act on it. I think too often times in our culture now, people will hear information, but there's a difference between information and knowledge. Information is something that you just hear. Knowledge is something you start to apply in your life. And that's what I want to help more people do. Hear it and apply it so you can reap the benefits. I think that's all very good advice. What would you say? You have sons. How do you teach them how to start building all these good behaviors? Right. Well, contrary to what people believe, I didn't have like, you know, little little, uh, budgeting parties for them when they were three or anything. (laughs) Uh, But at age five, I did teach them three categories. I helped them to understand that money comes from work, not from mom and dad. So they understand work happens, then people get paid. So for us, we put them on commission. We didn't do, <laughs> we didn't do allowance. So they had chores. You make your bed, you put away the dishes, you do these things, you get paid. If you don't do it, you're going to do it anyway, right? right? Exactly. But you're not going to get paid. So it's that kind of thing. But I taught them three categories, give, save, and spend. And so they had three little envelopes. And so when they got their commission, they would put money in in the give, the save and the spend. For us, we're Christians. We go to church. When they go to church, they would give out of their give envelope. Uh, when we went to go buy something at a store and they had something they wanted to buy for themselves, they they used their spend envelope. So what I was trying to do was instill in them some knowledge, but also some habits. And yes. I think that's where a lot of people fall short, where they're not putting into practice this thing that they're wanting to get better at. And I can remember a coach telling me years ago, he said, Chris, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. That's and true. I wrote that down in a, in, a, in a notebook, and I really thought about that. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing stays the same. And too often times in our financial lives, we can put it on cruise control where we think things will just keep going. And But no, no. we have to keep our hands on the wheel. And also life changes. You have a family. You mm. have to move. You yes. know, you get a promotion. There's all these things that can throw your spending and saving off, and you have to kind of have the habits to kind of keep you moving, but also be flexible. You can't be so rigid. You have to also have that that knowledge to know how to move the ship. No, you really do. And that knowledge can come in handy for you, right? I used to think that, hey, when I make more money, I'll get more serious, right? right. Okay, well, the problem is, is that bar with the, how much you need to make before you start to get serious just keeps rising. Sure. And if you're not in control of your money, your lifestyle will start increasing as well. So looking at it and understanding it's not about how much you make. It's your knowledge, it's your beliefs, and it's your habits. So start where you are. That's what I want to encourage your audience to do. Right now, if you're making 15, 25, 35,000, 135, I don't care what it is, start to control it now so when more comes in, lifestyle doesn't increase on accident, but actually your your chances of reaching financial freedom actually increases intentionally. Okay. So I'm listening to this. I love it. What is my very first step? I think the first step is to believe. I think you have to believe that it's possible for you. Now, I say that because I was born and raised in Kentucky. I have to be honest. Early on in my career, I don't think I thought becoming a millionaire was something possible for me. Even when I read Thomas Stanley's book in the 90s, I became aware of what a millionaire looked like, but I don't think I believed that it was something that I could do. See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is just having that information, but wisdom is where you've applied it in your life. And so over time, I grew that wisdom by applying it. So I want people to believe that they can, but also believe that it's available. And I think when you have those two things in place, you can start to do the next things. So what's the next thing? 
thing. Well, after you believe, then I want you to gain knowledge. I okay. want you to learn. I want you to listen to shows like yours. Listen to the Chris Hogan show. Read books. Learn yes. how money works. Because if you don't learn how to manage money, it'll manage you. That's definitely right? true. Because everybody else has a plan for your money if you don't. Look at the malls, the stores, the commercials. Everybody wants your money. Well, if we don't have a plan for it, we can end up giving it to them. And here's what I realized about myself. After years of doing financial stupid, I was making a <laughs> lot of companies rich instead of me building my own wealth. And the birth of my first son is the, was my wake-up call. That's sure. where I really started to look and really go, what am I doing? Am I doing things that are going to help me later? And so I changed my focus. I started making two-year decisions. Now, I've not told a lot of people about this, so I'm going to let you in on this. All right, I'm into a it. A two-year decision is where you make a decision today that you know when you look back on it in two years, you're going to be glad you made it. That's, I love that. Right? That's now, great. Now, imagine the long-term view of how you make decisions now, right? Do you buy that car or not? right? You might have the money saved up, but is it something you're going to look back on and be glad you did? Or mm. would you wish you would have done something different? It gets us to slow down. And I think that's what I want people to do in our society. Right. Slow down, think through it a little bit, and then make intentional decisions. So believe you can, gain knowledge, and then change and understand your personal habits. I think in terms of goals, there's there's different kinds of goals. I love the idea of a two-year goal mm -hmm. because that's, that's insight. That's not something that like retirement can seem like... A, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to retire. Putting all this money away, I'll never get to touch it. People can put that off. If you can see it and maybe feel it, like put a photo next to it, like a wedding or, say, a car or like a sabbatical from work, then you're, right. you you might be more likely to really stick to it. No, I talked about that in my book, Retire Inspired. I released that in 2016. Right. That was my wake-up call for America on the topic of retirement. Sure. That's not an age. It's a financial number. Because so many people thought, once I get to age 65, the government's going to take care of me. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, there's not a <laughs> retirement fairy, right? He's not going to just show up at your door and save the day for you. You've got to look at this and understand. But I talk about dreaming first. And what I mean is think about what do you want life to look like for you? Right. Like people would tell me, well, Chris, I want to travel. I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, where do you want to go? How long are you staying? Who are you taking with you? Right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it got them thinking deeper about it. I don't want people to just to be interested in a goal. I want them to be committed to it. Right? And so you're right. Those photos can help you stay motivated. I keep pictures up in my closet. I keep things on my phone. What I'm working toward. And I'm going to tell you, when you keep it front of mind, it happens for you a lot more. So not only do I want you to make a two-year goal, I want you to have a day and weekly plan that's going to help you get to that goal closer each week and each month. And if you do that day in and day out, I'm telling you, you're going to hit more of your goals than other people will. So we've talked about it with other guests about the FIRE movement, which I'm sure you've heard about. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, financial independence, retire early. And if you look on Reddit, which we look on Reddit a lot here, people get so extreme with the way that they're putting money away, like, like ramen noodles, not going on dates, you know, just making almost like a, a competition with themselves. How can you save for what you want but not go without to the point where you're missing out on life? Well, I think so. I mean, I think that's an important thing to point out. Right? You hear the YOLO statements, you only live <laughs> once, and they're always extremes. Yeah. Um, I think it's healthy to be able to sacrifice. I think anybody that wins anything, whether it's in sports, in business, in any area, they've learned to sacrifice. Sure. They've learned to say no to some things now so I can say yes to some things later. And so the level that people are willing to do of that, it depends on their goals and how committed they are. You know, I've got a friend of mine that's very focused on retiring at age 56. And so for him, he's still living life and he's doing some things, but he's consciously making decisions that move him closer to his goal. 
well, who am I to tell him that he's being too extreme? Right now, if he was living in a mud hut and, and right, just eating butterflies or something all the time, I'd have <laughs> to intervene. Delightful. Right, I'd have to tase him and intervene a little bit. <laughs> uh, but I do want people to be focused. I want people to be committed and motivated. Uh, right. But at the same time, you're right. You can live in the day without living for the day. And so I think anybody, you know, I want people to sacrifice, stay focused and be committed to what they want. Uh, that's important. And that's part of winning. So what do you think, talking to all these people that you've talked to, what are some things that they were able to cut from their budget to push them forward toward their goals? Well, first of all, 94% of them live on less than they make. All right. So that tells you right now that they're in control of their money. They're not huh. spending what all comes in. Uh, they've got a plan. I mean, they're even using coupons and making a list. When these people have financial freedom, they can buy whatever they want in the store. What I'm saying is, is they're intentional. Right. right? They do things. That cars that they drive. These millionaires, again, we talked to over 10,000 of them, so I'm not speculating. I'm stating statistical fact. Mm -hmm. On average, they're driving four-year-old cars with 41,000 miles on them. Right. Right? They're, on average, are paying off their house in under 12 years, but they've lived in a house for over 17 years or more, but they live in a 2,600-square-foot home. Right? These millionaires. Now, oftentimes when you hear millionaire, you see someone in a flashy suit, man or a woman, leaning on a luxury sports car in front of a mansion, right? <laughs> right. That's the mindset. Right. But with That's the this image book, of a millionaire. Right. But with this book, Everyday Millionaires, what I'm telling people and showing them is that these millionaires aren't flashy. They're not trust fund babies. Right. They didn't get lucky and they didn't hit the lottery. These are regular, everyday men and women who are working regular jobs, making an income, but they're making big plans for themselves. What are some it's, of the plans they're making? Oh, they're, I mean, they have a habit of, of giving. For example, 70% of them set aside money each and every month to be able to give. So that tells you about the heart of where they are. Sure. Uh, they, they believe in supporting charities. They believe also in, in, in impacting their own family. 98% uh, of these millionaires learn money habits from their parents. Right. So it goes back to what you asked me before. What am I talking about to my kids? Yeah. And so even if you're someone out there that you didn't learn from your parents, maybe your parents didn't have the knowledge to pass on to you. As an adult, we get to decide. I'm telling people, you remember permission slips that they have those back in your day? Yes, they did. Where you had to go home and your mom and dad had to sign it? Yeah, all too well. Where you couldn't go on the field trip, right? Yes. In this day and age, I think too many people still believe that they're waiting on someone to sign their permission slip, sure. someone to give them permission to be able to be successful and work towards something. And as an adult, you don't need anybody to sign that. You get to sign your own permission slip for you in your life. And so I think it's a difference between people deciding for themselves versus just sliding into what life brings. That's where you look up and you have people 10 or 15 years in a career and they don't know how they got there. Or they're 10 or 15 years sure. in something else, and that's not really where they want it to be. I think it's time to wake up, shake up what we're doing, start to decide, and be intentional with our lives. So many people think they don't have enough money to invest. They, they, they think that investing is for, is for rich people. It's just for other people. Mm -hmm. It's just not for themselves. Say you don't have a 401k. You just, you know, more and more of us are freelancing these days. What is a way to start investing if you don't have a 401k? What are some things you right. can do? Well, if you don't have a 401k, which is just an employer-sponsored retirement plan, mm -hmm. right? 401ks and 403bs, uh, which, by the way, that was the number one thing. 79% of these millionaires said that was the reason they were able to reach millionaire sure. status. So if you are freelancing or working or maybe your company doesn't offer one of those mm -hmm. to you, you've got an opportunity to still be able to invest in the Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. Right. That's something you have available to you. But you can also still invest. You can invest in growth stock mutual funds outside of retirement through an investment mm -hmm. professional. There are ways that you can save and invest. But let's go back to the other thing you said. 
you said they can't afford to invest. Yes, a lot right? of people say that. Okay. We, we have some. We have to call that what it is. That's an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. And a football coach told me years ago, Chris, an excuse is a skin of a lie wrapped with a reason. Okay, That's think about one. that. I'm going to repeat it. An excuse <laughs> is a skin of a lie wrapped with a reason. The reason we tend to throw out excuses is for a couple of reasons. It's either something we don't understand or it's not something we're willing to sacrifice for, or the third reason, we don't really understand the value of it. Sure. Or we just don't understand what investing really is. We just don't have the basic knowledge right. of who, who an investor is and how to invest. That's right. So that's where you reach out, you find some information, your show, books out there. You can get books for free. Check them out at the library. Free podcasts, free information out there to grow, but to also have a conversation and talk to someone. Like your future is too valuable to waste. And I just want more people to be aware and make decisions for themselves in their future right now. Don't let another day go by with you knowing you can get better and just deciding not to. So my last question for you is um, I always like to ask people, you know, especially who came from another world before they became really great um, at finances. What did you learn from sports? What are some other things that you learned watching fellow athletes and just seeing how people were spending their money and saving their money? What are some things that you learned? Well, I, I think I learned a lot from the sporting world. Sure. I had amazing teachers in, in elementary and grade school and high school, amazing coaches. But being a part of a team means that you understand your role but you also understand the bigger role of the team. You learn sacrifice. You learn how to say no. You learn how to stick to something that you're really committed to, which means that you do some things that other people may not understand. You know, with football, we were practicing out in the rain and in the mud. You'd have to push through even when you were hurt or you didn't feel like it, right, because you didn't want to let your team down. And I think as we start to look at this, I want people to be committed and focused to their financial process because I don't want you to let your dream down. You've got something inside of you that gets you up out of bed, that gets you excited. That means it makes you tick. That's something I want people to experience. And if we can get more people living in that moment, living in that mindset, what happens is is the world gets impacted because we're all a little kinder. We're all a little bit more available to support somebody that's in need. We're all able to do some things because we're not tied to debt. It frees us up. Freed people think differently. Freed people also act differently. So I want to help people get to that point so they can make an impact on other people's lives. I think this has been incredibly helpful. If our audience wants to learn more about you, how can they find you? Yeah, you can learn everything about me by going to my website, chrishogan360.com. There's information on there about The Chris Hogan Show, which you can find on iTunes or anywhere podcasts are. You can also, my blogs, I've got some free financial tools on there to help people learn about their net worth. Also to help them with retirement, I've got a RIQ, it's called the Retire Inspire Quotient, where you can figure out how much you might need for retirement, as well as information about my books. Well, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by. This is great. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have Stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. 
Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of these statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.